at least 12 times in the New Testament, we hear something along the lines of ask and you will receive. And I've printed them here for y'all to look at. These are the kind of most explicit ways that God says in the New Testament specifically something along those lines. And um, one of one of the examples, if you just look on your sheet there at John 16, 23, um, it says a sentence in there, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. And, and the others say something kind of similar. That, y'all, is a startling promise and a seemingly unbelievable promise. And I so want it to be true. Um, like, don't you all want to ask the Father and it be done for you? Like, that sounds so good. But in the real world, does this really happen? Can we really ask? And he would give it to us. And, like, where in these verses are the little, like, is there in the original, like, a little kind of asterisk or, or a little number, like, footnote with a bunch of disclaimers, like on the drug commercials? Well, you can't really, you know, this is, this is everything that goes along with it. You have to make sure that all these things happen, too. Um, you all might think to yourselves that this kind of a promise whatever you ask my father's name to give it to you or ask the father in my name, um, might make God sound a little better than he's actually proven to be when you've asked of God. So why does the promise seem so far-fetched? And why have maybe we not experienced this always as reality? Why doesn't it work? Um, and can we trust God? Or is he just filling us with fluff and some nice ideas that aren't really true? Um, I believe this is, this is a promise of God, and I believe it's true 100% of the time. Um, in fact, in that John 16 passage, Jesus even starts it saying, truly, truly. Like, that word truly is amen, which kind of means this is, this is let it be this way. This is, this is the truth. Surely, Jesus said, it's like he's making an oath this, this is it. This is true. Whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Um, and God says it in his word multiple times in multiple contexts. So let's look at that and what has to happen in order for us to get what we want. <laughs> um. So in order to make a request of someone and hope to get something in return, what has to happen, first of all? And before we even like consider, hey, is there some like formula that we have to pray by, um, I want to uh, submit to you guys that maybe there's something um, that we oftentimes forget is a prerequisite to receiving what we ask. And this prerequisite on the share doesn't even really have to do with what we're asking for or why or how we're asking. And I think there's billions and billions probably of prayers that have come out of people's mouths or hearts and they seem to go unanswered or, or people think they are answered no. 
because this requirement hasn't yet been met. And, and then it causes confusion or doubt in the trustworthiness of God's promises that he makes because it hasn't come to pass. And they think, well, I'm asking, but he's not giving, so he's, he's lied here. Why doesn't it work? And so, first, firstly, um, maybe we're forgetting the possibility that, here's, here's where I'm going with this, that God might not be listening. God might not be listening. He might not hear you. Your words might be kind of just bouncing right back to you. And if sometimes you feel like you're talking to God and you're just talking into the air. Maybe it's because you are talking into the air and God's not listening. So I'll describe this a little further. If I'm sitting here and I want to ask my dad for something, for example, um, and he's not here. He, he's actually, in, I think, in Shell Beach right now celebrating his anniversary. Uh, but he's not here in this room. The first thing I would have to do if I want to make a request of God is I want to make sure that he could hear me. I can't just sit here and say, well, Dad, here's what I, you know, I have to call him or I have to, um, I have to open up some line of communication to him. Maybe I drive to Shell Beach or whatever in order to talk to my dad. So what am I talking about? Like God might not be listening. Well, I'll read a few verses um, in, in Scripture. They aren't on your sheet there, and you don't need to look them up. We'll kind of blow through them. Um, but and you may know where I'm going with this. But first, first example, the prophet Isaiah tells God's people in Isaiah 59, he says, your iniquities or your sins have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden God's face from you so that he does not hear. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 66. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And he goes on to say, but God truly has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. A man says in John 9, he says, we know that God does not listen to sinners. I love it. This like first century dude says something that we in the 21st century, I think, forget. And he's like, well, everybody knows God doesn't listen to sin. This is like some commonly known fact, I guess, in the Jewish world. But God doesn't listen to sin. <coughs> Proverbs 28, 9 says, If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. So, like, the first thing that I'd want you to walk away with tonight is that God doesn't listen to those who don't listen to him. So um, Zechariah 7, uh, another prophet says, but talking of Israel, he says, they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears that they might not hear. It's like, God, I don't want to hear what you have to tell me. They made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear the law and the words of the Lord of hosts. Uh, hear, hear the words that the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great anger came from the Lord that this, their refusal to listen to him and here's what God says as I called they would not hear so they called and I would not hear says the Lord Post God doesn't listen to those who don't listen 
you can pray for hours, you can pray five times a day till you're blue in the face and you can ask whatever you want, but if you're unwilling to hear God and what God has told you to do, then I don't think you can expect that God is just eager to listen to you. Um, it's similar to the will of God kind of discussion that we've had recently, that some people, we've kind of said in the last couple of weeks, some people get way off track or get way out of God's will, thinking that God maybe has told them something that contradicts what he's already told them and they've refused to listen to. So they come up with all sorts of things. Well, this is the will of God because he told me. Well, it's like, no, God's not telling you something when you've refused to listen to what he's already told you. Um, if you want to know the will of God, like start and finish in God's word and listen to that and do it. And if you're not willing to do that, then stop searching for his will because he's spoken it there. So similarly, if we're praying, God doesn't listen to those who don't listen. God's kind of like, I mean, I hate to play God, but it, um, like, why are you coming to me if you're not going to listen to what I've told you or you're not going to listen to what I have to say. You guys ever, you have friends like that probably where it's like they come to you for something and they're like, I need, I need your help in this or I need your advice in this and you recognize, oh, I've given, I've, I've been willing to help you before and I've given you help but you haven't listened to me and you haven't done what I've said so like why are we going through the motions? You keep coming to me and you're never listening. Like that happens, unfortunately, it happens a lot and we probably all have experienced that in some way. You're not willing to receive. I'm willing to help you. But since you're not willing to receive, then I'm going to, at some point, I'm going to say I'm not going to help you. Isaiah 58. This is kind of a long one, but just stick with me. It's the last uh, verse for a bit. But um, says this, why have we fasted? And in scripture, fasting is very closely associated with prayer. It's a way of kind of seeking from God. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? It's kind of like Israel speaking. <clears throat> and then it says, Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. If you fast like, like that. In is, is, such, is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke? These sounds like, sound like good things. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house and when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then, like when you have regards to the words that I've told you, then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Listen, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am, like ready to, ready to listen. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday, and the Lord will guide you continually. So you see, there's there's just this bit of, and, and fasting specifically here, there's this bit of, you, you don't 
just go through the motions, but listen to and do what I say, and then I, I, I have a, I, I respond. So a couple of questions I was just thinking through, um, looking this through. First of all, does this apply to Christians? I think it's a question maybe that we as Christians could ask, this idea that maybe God doesn't listen to those who aren't willing to listen to him. Um, like, don't we have confidence to approach God as his children? And um, I think the verses that I read about God not listening or hearing, well, I, they were spoken from God's prophets to God's people who at times listened to him and at other times didn't listen to him, which sounds kind of like us. Um, that proverb, if one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayers an abomination, that's usually the proverbs are kind of, these are general truths for everyone. Um, we read in the book of 1 John months ago, um, John says, beloved, talking to the church, if our heart does not condemn us or if our conscience is clean, we have confidence before God and whatever we ask, we receive from him. That's one of the ones on the sheet there. Because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. So um, what about when we don't? Do we approach with the same kind of confidence when we are denying or when we are not having regard for his word and when we're refusing to acknowledge our sin and we're refusing to say that our conscience is dirty? So I, I think Christians are, are in the same boat or a similar boat here. When we're not willing to hear and obey the Lord, he's, I don't think that in, I don't think we can assume that he's listening to us. Fortunately, we have the Spirit of God in us who is making us hearers and doers of the Word. And so I think often, hopefully most often, He is listening to us. But when we're, just like anybody else, when we are obstinate and hard-hearted or diamond-hard our, our hearts, like Israel at times, walking in the desires of the flesh, turning or tuning God out, I don't think we can be audacious enough to think that God's like, oh, that's, you know, that's okay, you don't have to listen to me. Here's everything that you're asking for, but just, you know, don't worry about what I'm telling you to do. Um, so another question then is, like, does God hear and listen when a non-Christian prays? Is he listening to their requests? Um, I think some of the verses that I read kind of sound like somebody who doesn't believe or somebody who doesn't follow the Lord, somebody who cherishes iniquity in their heart, somebody who's turned their ear away from hearing the law, somebody who have made by their iniquity a separation before them and God. Like This sounds a lot like somebody who um, isn't a follower, who doesn't have access to God. So what happens when, when they pray? Does God listen to them? Is he hearing their prayers? Um, I would not go so far as to say that God never hears them. There's a handful of um, times in scripture where God seems to listen even to somebody who is very far from him and not seeking him. So that, that can happen, and that's, don't worry, that's, that possibility is out there. But I think we have good reason to believe that generally God may not be listening, which means he, which may mean, that might give reason why he's not answering those prayers, except maybe some of those things that he was choosing to do anyway. So, um, just after some study this week, I'm, I feel like I'm changing my tune a little bit with, um, and, and I'm, this, this is like Jared speaking right here, um, definitely. Um, 
I, I feel like I'm going to back off a little bit something that I've practiced, which is encouraging non-Christians to, to pray. This, I hope this isn't like too out there. You guys can give me a second to explain and then um, tell me if I'm off. Um, but I don't think a non-Christian can say with us like Hebrews 4, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. They don't have confidence in, in approaching God. They have judgment, really. And and the reason I wouldn't encourage them then not to pray is because the more times God doesn't answer their prayer because he's maybe not hearing their, or purposefully not hearing their prayer because they're hard-hearted, the more hard-hearted they might potentially become because they feel like, well, God isn't, he must not be there, or he must not care about me, or he must not be true to the promises that he says in Scripture if, if they're mis- led to think, well, I can just approach God and ask for what I want. Well, no, he may not even be hearing you because you're not willing to hear him. So I'm just going to be, I think, personally, a little more careful in suggesting prayer to one who has no access through Jesus to the throne of grace. Unless, obviously, hopefully, obviously, unless it's the type of prayer that is seeking forgiveness and it's a prayer of confession, and it's a desire to be cleansed and given the righteousness of Christ. Obviously, that's the prayer that all believers kind of start with, and that God is pleased to hear. Like that prayer, certainly God hears, um, as he says, you'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. But beyond that, like to, to tell somebody, hey, uh, somebody who doesn't believe, somebody who's far from God, hey, you want a new job? Well, you should just pray about that, or you want comfort through this struggle. I don't know if generally God is, is listening to their prayers because they haven't listened to him, and I wouldn't want that to decrease their, their I wouldn't want them to think, oh, then God doesn't care because he's not answering my prayers that way. Generally, I think God isn't listening to those who are turned against him who aren't listening to him. Where are you guys at with that? I think, like... <clears throat> I think just like the reasoning of like I generally don't ask things of people I don't have a relationship with like I'm not going to go up to some guy on the street and ask him for 50 bucks because I have no basis to expect anything from him so I think that like your reasoning of that is kind of on point I think it's like if, if the prayer is in line to kind of like figure out who God is I think like that's okay mm-hmm. um yeah. And I forgot what else I was thinking as we're talking because. Yeah, as much as somebody might not feel somebody that you don't have a relationship with, you're not going to ask them of something. But we people do all the time, right? Like yeah. you get in a bind, and then it's like, oh God, please do this for me, please. I don't know if that's like a genuine prayer if they really think God's going to do something yeah. or not. But. Um, yeah. Any and it's like thoughts? I was thinking too that like. Like training someone to think that like God is like a genie like if I ask for something you'll give it to me and it's it's not that way like he does like you were saying he doesn't like answer believers prayers sometimes because like our heart is hardened or whatever or like it just may not be according to our will some things that we want are not good for us there's something better yeah there could be something else but like you know we have a certain idea but like God knows it outcome like if I'm like praying to win the lottery and like I think I'll like my money away and like do good with it like like that money could easily corrupt me so you know like I yeah, think it's yeah. great 
like God knows the potential outcome. Like you hear all these stories about people who like win the lottery and then like their lives are in shambles. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't know. No, I got I I see what you're saying. And that's part of my fear too, is I don't want to teach a Christian or non Christian that yeah, God just exists to meet all of your wildest desires. So just ask away you know. mm-hmm. I think one of the hardest Hold on just a second, Clayton. Yes. I just want to Somebody is being wanna, polite uh, and raising their hand, yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> not acceptable. <laughs> no, that's, that's great. I'm, uh, thank you. Yeah. Well, the seminary did train us. I just want to say, uh, uh, I just want to say, there is the other one condition in Hebrews chapter 11, mm-hmm. 11, 6. Uh, the one of the conditions in order for God to respond to prayers would be, that we must believe the God's existence that pleases God, and how we how we how do we believe? We believe with all who we are. Yeah. And the other part, other side of that is that the faith is the first side. The one side of the faith is this is God's gift, and secondly, this is also part of our action to believe that there is God, that God can answer the the, the prayers. But yeah. With no faith, so. And uh, yeah, like you already brought interesting thing. Uh, yeah, how does that work in unbeliever lives? If yeah. if they have never received that faith, and they might know that there is God, devil does the same. But if their faith has not been uh, communicated on the on the personal level, then I don't know how does that happen. That yeah. God can answer their prayers because because that, that's what the scripture says that yeah. you must believe that there is God, which pleases God, and this is the one of the conditions how the prayers get answered. Yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah, we'll talk, next week we'll talk more about that faith and, and belief, but yeah, that's that's totally right on. It, it, it's, I guess it, it bugs me because I want, like even for a non-Christian, I want them to learn when you're in need, you go to the Lord. Like that's a, a good thing to learn, but it's... Um, it, it might it might be confusing if it becomes a magic genie thing. So wouldn't be wouldn't be the for, foremost uh, thing that the non-believers would have to ask God? God save me from your judgment, save me from your wrath, mm-hmm. because this is probably one of the most terrifying feeling and one of the most terrifying condition. What kind of benefit does the non-believer gain if God would give him everything? Yeah. And he is not saved. Yeah. yeah. Then they cannot. That's the thing. Nothing is worse than being under God's wrath. And if the non-believer cries out to God, God save me from your judgment, save me from your wrath. Yeah. That's where it starts. Yeah. <coughs> it's good. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, one of the hardest things about and maybe it's cultural or maybe it's just like a human condition is that God is God and we are not. And so I think we, the culture kind of influences us sometimes in the way that we think about God and, and our culture says, like, oh, it's good for you, whatever works for you. I do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I, um, even, even people who profess Christ who are living actively in sin or in rebellion against what the Bible says have have chosen with their lives to say, I take this piece but not this piece mm-hmm. and I think we have a hard time with the with the 
fact that God's the boss. Like we, we don't get to make the demands. He, he okay. gets to make all of the demands. And we want we want him to be the boss when we're when we're when things are falling apart and when our lives aren't going as we planned and we need comfort and peace, but he still has to he has to always be king, you know. And I think the the teaching that like God might not hear you is him as king, and that's a hard thing to you're coming to faith is submitting. It's not like negotiating or uh, or demanding. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's all good. I um, I wrote down when God isn't listening, He's not being a jerk. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, Shalaria it's actually a good thing. Like God turning a, a deaf ear to some requests can be a very good thing. Because for the one who's unwilling to listen to the Lord, um, even me at times, like do you know the evil, destructive requests that I might have of God that I'm so glad that he wouldn't listen to that and respond and keep it and oh ask and you'll yeah you will receive that that's good yeah. <laughs> I, I just wonder what you said that God is not jerk uh, the one biblical example comes when when Peter or someone asks uh, something I don't remember exactly and Jesus Christ said you don't know what you ask mm-hmm. yeah I, I don't rem- I don't remember what yeah was they were they were two of the apostles were asking um, oh, about the same city sitting in right the first thing being in the first row and then Jesus Christ said you don't know what you ask. Yeah. 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 He says, you not know what you ask. And he says, are you are you able to drink the cup that I'm yeah. going to drink or whatever? He's like, you really want to like be where I'm at? Like, you really want me to give this request to you? Yeah. Um, so God's God's not a jerk. He's not just like plugging his ears saying, well, you know, you're not listening to me, so I'm not going to listen to you. You know, it's it's not that sort of thing. It's for our good. If he's not listening, it's really for our good, whether the person believing or not believing. I wonder how many prayers have like gone out that would actually, if answered, would destroy the one who's praying for it, whether it's somebody who's entrenched in greed and saying, God, would you please just please help me get, pick the right numbers this time, or whether it's somebody that's entrenched in um, pride saying, God, would you just give me this career break that would bring me some sort of fame that I could have? Well, it's like I believe it's by God's grace that He doesn't hear and respond to those requests that may lead you into a life of misery, like you were saying, Shalaria. Or somebody entrenched in men's approval praying to God, God, would you just make this guy like me? Well, if, if God gave that somehow then you're gonna you're gonna miss out on the fact that you're putting too much desire and in, in the approval of men or somebody who's seeking worldly success who is just entrenched in that idea saying god would you just help me to get a better job well we don't know the outcome of those things that we pray for and it may not be so good so i think we can really rejoice that um god doesn't hear or respond to our sin-entrenched prayers. Because trust me, when we're living in sin, we don't want God to give us the things that we're asking for, those foolish requests. On the other hand, on the other side of the equation here, Proverbs 15, 29 says, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Um, 
John says, whatever we ask, we receive from him. This is in 1 John, one of those on there. There's that promise. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. In other words, we're listening to God. We're hearing him and be, as evidenced by we're doing what he calls us to. So he hears us. And then whatever we ask, we receive from him. Psalm 66, one that I read, starts with, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened, but truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer, um, presumably because he's, he's no longer cherishing iniquity in his heart. James 5, I love this example, points back to the Old Testament. He says, the prayer of a righteous person or somebody who's listening to and doing the will of God has great power as it is working, this prayer. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. This, this crazy, miraculous prayer is answered to a man who's seeking God above all else. So the, the flip side of this, or on the other hand, God does listen to those who are listening to him and choosing to walk in righteousness. Now, obvious, well, I, I hope obviously, I'm not saying that we have to be perfect in order for God to hear us. Um, none of us, in fact, are, are worthy to approach um, God in prayer. It's only because of the perfection of Jesus that we're able to come into his presence and present our requests to him. But this confidence that we have is... It, it only becomes it, it only comes out of a, a confession of who we are and a confession of who Jesus is and our desperate need for him and um, all that scripture is saying and or, or another way you can say this is you can't ignore God and expect him to listen um, but all of his children we all come to him uh, guilty in one sense but in confession and repentance and trusting in the work of Jesus now, we have uh, that right to access to him. So just a quick application on this, and then I got one more kind of thing to draw out here. Um, you can just ask this question, is there sin in my life that may be soundproofing my requests? And if there is, then confess and repent, and then he's ready to hear you. Um, but if you're going to bring a request to the Lord, let's, let's take care of our sin first, not meaning us taking care of it, like we can wipe our sin away, but let's confess and repent, and he will, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. It's kind of like Jesus says in Matthew 5, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Maybe it's something with prayer that would be similar for us. And 1 Peter 3.11 says, Turn away from evil and do good. So turn away from evil and do good. And he says, Seek peace and pursue it. So this is like a repentance process, turning away and doing good. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer, those who have turned from evil and are doing good. So confess and repent, and don't freak out because your sin hasn't permanently chopped off the phone cord from God. God wants our relationship with him. He wants to hear 
what, what we bring to him. He wants to hear of our need. He desires to hear us. He desires to give us good things. He sent his son to die so much that's his desire that we could access him. And so just confess and repent and then ask and you will receive. And we'll go on to, to look at that a little bit more. But God does listen to those who listen. He's, he's available to hear us. So let's say that you're a believer you have regard for God's word and you're not living in an unrepentant state and so God's ear is open to you, so to speak. What other factors then go into this equation whatever you ask will give? I'm going to talk about one factor this week and two more next week. So there will be kind of three total or one if you include, hey, maybe you better ask is he listening first? Maybe. Um, so here's the first factor. If your line, if your communication line, so to speak, isn't being blocked by just this unrepentant sin in your life, every one of the twelve times mentioned here that this promise of sorts is made, it shares one word in common every time. I'll read the first one just to um, bring it out to you, and all of the others use the same word. Ask, and it will be given to you. Verse 8, for everyone who asks, receives. And then at the very end, the Father in heaven gives good things to those who ask him. <clears throat> if we would like to receive something from the Father, what are we to do? Ask. Ask. That's, that's <clears throat> the same um, Greek word in, in all of these for ask. I don't even remember what, it, what the pronunciation was or what the word was. But there's the second, if, if you remember the first, God listens to those who listen to him or doesn't listen to those who doesn't listen to him. God gives to those who ask. Does God give sometimes to those who aren't asking? Well, sometimes, yes. He's, he's given us plenty of things that we haven't asked for that we probably don't even realize. Namely, our, our self, the sacrifice of Jesus was something that he gave before anybody was asking for it, per se. Um, but I don't think we can go around feeling gypped by God because he hasn't given us some good things if you haven't asked of him. Now, there's a proper asking posture. And I think this is what you were mentioning. Notice that the word is ask, not demand or not tell. Humbly ask present your request to God. See, some people take this promise and then the way that they apply it becomes perverted in that they, they begin telling God, here's what you need to do. And I have news, we don't tell God what to do. Um, but maybe you've heard that. Somebody will be so um, convinced, God, in, in Jesus' name, God, you do this. And it's a, that's, a different, that's a different posture than what I think the, the New Testament writers are saying when they use this word ask. I love Ecclesiastes 5 as a reminder of this posture that we should have when we're approaching God. Ecclesiastes, or Ecclesiastes 5 2 says, Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty or quick to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. I love uh, Nehemiah's prayer 
Um, we talked about this months ago. Um, just the, the posture of prayer that he brings to God when he's asking for something. Very specifically, he's asking for favor in the sight of the king. Um, but listen to the, the posture of his prayer in Nehemiah 1.6. He prays to God, God, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. It's like this attitude of God, I don't deserve for you to hear me, but I confess my sin. I'm seeking you. Would you be so kind as to incline your ear to me, your servant? And part of this promise, I believe, is that God gives to those who ask and who, ask, who are asking, humbly asking. Now, the question comes into my mind, um, and I don't know if your all's minds go here, um, but asking of God is a very uh, paradoxical thing to do, um, especially after, maybe after next week's teaching, um, and we kind of understand that when God listens to our prayers, and when we're abiding in him and believing his promises, we're really praying that God's will be done. That's one of the verses on here, um, the last one. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Um, I, I wonder, and I wrestle with, well, why are we asking your will be done? Well, it will be done. It's God's will. Um, his predetermined will is going to happen anyway, so why do we, would we go through the motions of even asking? Thomas? It, it's a great question, and I think it's a great not only exercise, mm. but I think a lot of that is for us mm. and the process of that. Okay. And I know my heart is mostly mm -hmm. changed and greatly changed through and in prayer. Because mm -hmm. <clears throat> where I start, I'll probably end up somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think that's mainly for us and our sanctification. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Could be. Yeah. Um. I think it's also yeah. just showing your your submissive to the Lord, mm -hmm. and it honors Him to want what He wants. <clears throat> I can align your heart with His. Mm hmm. Like that, kind of like what you're saying. Yeah, like that verse where it says he'll give you the desires of your heart, mm -hmm. or your heart should be his heart. Yeah. Good, yeah. Would it be also like uh, adding to the to, to these folks also asking that God would enable us to to, to glorify him? Mm -hmm. Would that be kind of an awesome thing? Yeah. I mean, also, Yeah, which would be his will, right? Like yeah. that's God, God's will is his glory. And um, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's interesting to me, and I, I have a couple thoughts on it, but um, like we even read, your, your father knows what you need before you even ask him. It's like, well, then why, like, why are we even asking? But here's, like, here's the mind-blowing part. I feel like every week there's, there's, I always say, well, this is something that's mind-blowing, and it's just because I think God is kind of mind-blowing, but this is the one this week. Somehow, in God's predetermined sovereign plan, he includes our prayers, our asking, 
in order to carry out his predetermined plan. Or part of his will is for you to pray and ask for things in order that his will be accomplished. So that's why I say it seems kind of paradoxical. Like he's worked your prayers into his plan. It's kind of similar to the idea of election that's so hard to understand and wrestle with the sovereignty of God and will God chooses some for salvation and well, where's, doesn't that conflict with evangelism then? Like why would we, if, if God has already chosen or elect some, then why do I even need to tell them they're going to be saved anyway, right? Like this whole wrestle, like why would I go through the motions of something that's going to happen anyway? And I think it's because we're forgetting that God's chosen method for somebody to come to salvation is to use people to preach a message to them. That's like Romans 10. How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how do they hear without somebody preaching? So in that situation, God has, he's, he's determined to use your preaching as a part of his plan. I think, well, do you want to be a part of that? Wouldn't that be cool? Like, wouldn't you like God to use you as a part of his plan to, to, to bring somebody, to walk somebody to eternal life? I hope so. So in the same way, I think, like, wouldn't we like for God to use our prayers to, to move his hand, I believe we actually do, we move his hand to accomplish his will. Like, what a thrill. How does that work? I don't know. Um, but I do know that it, there, there's a lot of if-then statements here. If we ask anything according to his will, then he hears us. And if he hears us, First John says, we have our requests. It's, it's a promise that's kind of based on this if-then. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. It's a similar type of thing in John 4. The Samaritan woman at the well um, says to Jesus, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Like, if you would have done this, then this would have happened. If you would have asked him, then he would have given it to you. And so here's the great mystery that I we're not going to fully comprehend tonight that a sovereign God responds to our requests. And I don't know how it happens, but I believe God's word confirms that. A sovereign God responds to our requests and God gives to those who ask. You have not because you ask not, he says. Um, I used to be the type of person, and I still do this sometimes, that wouldn't ask of God. And I pray, yes, like anybody would pray, any Christian pray, but I was kind of the type of prayer, I was like so steeped in reformism that I was just kind of like, yeah, here's my prayer, God, just that your will be done. Like, just go ahead and do whatever you want to do. And that was kind of my prayer to him. And that sounds like, I thought, well, that sounds really mature and really holy. Like, I'm just, well, God, whatever you have, that's, I'm good with that. And, and there's something really good to that, I think. Um, but to be honest, I was scared of this promise, whatever you ask of my, father's, of my father in my name, he will give it to you. 
because I was scared that God wasn't going to come through on that. And then maybe I couldn't trust God um, with other things. Maybe I couldn't take him at his word. So, so that prayer, God, just do whatever you want. Well, that comes true every time. Like, good for me. God heard my prayer. Anything that happens, I could say, see, God answered my prayer. Mm-hmm. I just pray that his will be done. His will is unfolding. So it's like, oh, well, that's not, I don't think that's what God is getting at with this word ask. I don't know why God would say ask if a vague request for God's will to happen was the only thing you ever wanted to ask for. These verses on your sheet, they say things like this. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And then all of these, uh, if two or three, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them. Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Whatever you ask of my Father in my name, he will give to you. Whatever we ask, we receive from him. And the last one on the page, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we ask of him. Anything. Whatever. That's super exciting, but we have to ask. That's, again, the consistent, one of the consistent things throughout all of these. Um, there's a little more to it than, than this, and we're going to talk about some of those things, um, those, those last couple of things next week. And I'm going to tell you a personal story about how asking changed my prayer life and I believe then move God's hand to do some specific things that I requested. <laughs> um, so the application here on this kind of second part God gives to those who ask is are, are you asking? Okay. Um, again, we're going to taper that or, or fill that out a little bit more next week. But y'all, I, I like I so badly want this promise to be true, and I think you do too, and it really is true. Truly, truly, it is true. Um, but the two questions I just asked you to consider is am I sinning? Like, is God listening, first of all? Because God listens to those who listen. And am I asking? Because God gives to those who ask. And next week, we'll look at two more of those 